0: stand together as we worship the Lord through psalm. Sing it out a great old hymn, Because He Lives I Can Face Tomorrow. Let's sing this out together. God sent His Son
1: Because He lives, all he is gone, because I know He owns the future, and life is worth the living just because
0: He lives. What a great truth to start out this morning with focusing on the fact that our Savior lives. Great singing. You can be seated.
2: Thank you for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected.
0: Please plan to stay for our quarterly member meeting after the worship gathering on July 30th. We'll be celebrating God's blessings on FBC and looking at practical things that we can invest in for the future. More information will be available in the link soon. Young couples, you are invited to participate in marriage mentoring. This is a one-year program designed to strengthen your marriage by partnering you with an experienced married couple for monthly biblical counsel and encouragement. If you are interested or have questions, please see Johnny Martin or Pastor Brad.
2: Community groups continue tonight at 6 p.m. If you are not yet connected with a Sunday p.m. community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet in homes most Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. Everyone is encouraged to get involved with one-on-one discipleship at FBC. Please see Johnny Martin for more information or to learn how you can get connected.
0: In just a few minutes, we'll be dismissing children four years to the third grade at the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page.
2: If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more information about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through songs as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning.
0: Good morning. I want to welcome everybody to our service this morning as we worship the Lord. Uh, We have a little video we're going to play. As you guys know, Pastor Brad and Johnny and their wives, they went over to Germany Uh, This week for a little missions trip to visit um, the missionaries we support over there, the Brown family. And so he sent me some videos this morning. We put a little something together for a little update to let you know how everything's going so far.
3: Good morning, church. Uh, Greetings from Leutkirk, Germany. Uh, We're doing well, and I just wanted to greet you this morning and let you know that we're over our jet lag and everybody's feeling well and doing good. We had a Really good worship service this morning with the Browns. And um, we're enjoying getting to uh, spend some extra time with them and getting to know them a little bit better and their ministry here. And uh, we just had a lunch, and we're headed into our afternoon service. We're six hours ahead of you guys. Uh, so we just wanted to send a quick greeting and let you know we're doing well. And we miss you. Our hearts are with you. We're praying for you today. We hope that it's a wonderful service. We'll be watching online And we look forward to hearing good things about this weekend's gathering. So God bless you guys. Lord willing, we'll see you soon.
4: Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to gather today. Thank you for everything you do for us. Most importantly, Lord, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being a living God, powerful and present here, filling us with the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we ask that today we worship you To the best of our ability, we're able to focus on your truth that you've given us in Scripture and that you help us build each other up in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the many things you do for us. We thank you for letting us gather here today. We ask for safety and for your will to be done through Pastor Brad and Johnny and their wives as they're away and in Germany, fellowshipping and working with other believers But, Lord, we also ask that that same thing be true here in Wixom. Lord, thank you for all you do. We ask this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.
0: Let's stand together continue to sing this morning. We're going to sing In Christ Alone. Great message, great storyline, emphasizing the fact of what Christ has done for us through his death, burial, and ultimately his resurrection. We serve a living Savior. Let's sing this out together. In Christ Alone. This last, this next verse together. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. And I get goosebumps every time I sing the second half of this. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave, he rose again. I want you to think about that truth. Think about that Sunday morning, that glorious day, as they got to see their living Savior, the gospel plan finished. Let's sing this out. There in the ground. I truth to continue singing this morning and the fact that he can do everything he promised he would is because he is lord over death hell sin the grave he is lord over all and has conquered all i'm so thankful with the power that he has as being lord of all he still chooses to love you and i every single day let's sing this out he is lord he is lord
1: He is Lord.
0: Is entitled The Look, and one of the lyrics in it says,
5: Thus, while his death my sin displayed for all the world to view, such is the mystery of grace that it seals my pardon to. Our living God became Jesus Christ, became a man in flesh, bore our sin, paid the payment for sin, but then he arose, and he's a living God. Hanging on a tree in agony and blood Who fixed his loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood And never till my dying breath will I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death Though not a word he spoke Fell to know the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sin, his blood had spilt, and helped to nail him there. But with a second look, he said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for your ransom paid. I tied you might live. And now my life will sing the praise of your atoning grace that looked on me and gladly to His death my sin displays For all the world to view Such is the mystery of grace It seals my pardon too With pleasing grief and mournful joy My spirit now is filled That I should such life destroy Yet live by Him I kill Took my place forever, etched upon my mind is the look of him who died, the Lamb I crucified. And now my life will sing the praise of your atoning grace that looked on me in blood.
4: Thank you, Bradley and Christy. That was beautiful. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalm 115. That'll be our text for this morning. Have you ever noticed that when you spend time with someone, you start to become more like them? Or perhaps the reverse, if someone spends time with you, they start acting a little bit more like you. I think we all have experienced this. Uh, it can be true between parents and children, siblings, friends, spouses. I'll give you a few examples from my life. Uh, my parents, very early on, as they were commuting into Wixom, probably had the same experience as you do often and got stuck behind that train that drives through the middle of Wixom there at Pontiac Trail in Wixom. And I remember specifically my dad calling it a stupid train. And eventually, Every Train by Little Holden was Stupid Train, right? I picked up his phrase, and fortunately, you know, it was pretty a safe phrase. But anyway, another example actually comes from Jeremy. I don't know if you've noticed this, but Jeremy, at least at one time, used to speak a little funny because he's from the south. And uh, He brought several terms with him, and I have to admit there was one at least that he eventually rubbed off on me, and it's the word y'all, which is actually a very useful word. In fact, most other languages have y'all as a proper piece of their grammar, and uh, I still use y'all from time to time. In fact, I teach my Greek students to translate Greek using y'all because Greek actually has a proper y'all in it. So maybe Jeremy's got something, and that rubbed off on me. We are friends Slowly, over time, I've become more like a Southerner, I suppose. But there's many things like this. Your hobbies, your behaviors, people around you rub off on you. In fact, a public speaker by the name of Jim Rohn said this, you are the average of your five closest friends. Here's me and four other guys. We went to Shepherd's Conference a few months ago, and I have character traits of these guys and many others. But the people you spend time with, you oftentimes pick up their character traits. Now, this is, by the way actually not only something that Jim Rohn said, whoever he is, but it's actually a biblical idea as well. In fact, the Bible actually warns us, not only can this be a good thing, but it can be a bad thing as well. Proverbs 22, 24 and 25 say this, don't befriend an angry man, then it says a little bit later, lest you learn his ways. In other words, who you have as friends is going to influence your behavior. You don't want friends who act poorly. Now, Psalm 115 is about something similar, but it's not about friends. This is just an illustration of the concept the psalmist is really locked in on in Psalm 115. Because in Psalm 115, you don't become like your friends, you become like the person you worship. You are picking up character traits of the thing that you are putting at the center of your life. And the psalmist is going to present broadly two possible approaches. You can follow, as we're about to read, a false dead God. And if you become like what you worship, verse 8 of Psalm 115 that we're about to read tells us that you will become dead like them. The alternative is to follow the living God. And, of course, if the result of following a dead God is being dead, the result of following the living God is life. So today we have a simple question to ask. Are you following something that is dead, or are you following someone who is dead? alive. But let's go ahead and jump into our text. We're going to start in verse 4 of Psalm 115, Though we're going to look at all the verses today. This is what verse 4 says. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. In other words, we have a great irony of idols which look real but are dead, and those that worship them are dead as well. But we have good news because the end of the chapter says this, verses seventeen and eighteen, verse seventeen repeats what we just heard: The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence, but here 's the good news, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. In other words, if we follow the Lord, if we worship God, then we will live forever. You can't worship God forevermore if you're not alive. And so that's the great contrast that the psalmist wants to look at today. Let's pray and we'll dive into the message. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to study your word today. Lord, thank you for being a living God, a God that if we follow we too can be alive. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ who made living eternally possible. Thank you for all the things that you do for us, that you are active, that you are involved in our lives. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Help us today to focus on your word. Use the Holy Spirit to speak truth to us today. Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity to study your word. We thank you for it. We ask this in your name. Amen. Now, this psalm, like many psalms, begins with a conclusion. Verse 1 says this Not unto us, O Lord, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. So, again, like many psalms, we have a command to worship. And then the psalmist is going to develop, after this first verse, why it is that we should worship specifically. Like every message in this series, we today want to focus on a specific attribute of God. The attribute today is that God is living or God is alive and active. And again, we're going to see that contrast. In fact, that contrast is visible here in the first three verses as i stated the psalmist is largely describing two broad ways of looking at the world and they're all present here in the first three verses after verse one the psalmist continues wherefore should the heathen say where now is their god this is the broad camp of rejecting god and following others but our god this is the psalmist speaking is in the heavens he hath done whatsoever he hath So we have these two things in contrast. Now this is a post-exilic psalm. That means this psalm was composed after the children of Israel, or specifically the Judeans, had returned from Babylon after they had been exiled there for a period of at least 70 years. Years. This is kind of the historical culmination of the Old Testament. God brings judgment upon Israel, or Judah, excuse me, for their sin, and he brings this judgment so that he can correct their problems. Now when we consider when this psalm was written, we might start to understand why it's necessary. Because if you put yourself in the shoes of a Judean, you might begin to wonder, is God really active Is he really alive? Because it seems like from a earthly perspective that God had been perhaps defeated or that God was not paying attention. In fact, verse two is really very similar to what the people in the book of Ezra Ezra and Nehemiah are saying to the Israelites. Where is your God? You're weak. Your God is not powerful. The psalmist is responding to that suggestion and he's saying this is not true at all. Our God is alive. In fact, he's the only god who is alive. And even though we were exiled and now we've returned, our god is powerful and we should follow him. Now, most people even today don't follow our god, okay? For the Israelites, they were a very limited Group That was following the living God and everyone around them was rejecting God and following someone else The reality is that we live in a world where the same thing is true We follow the living God if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you're following the living God But the vast majority of people around us not only in our country, but the world are rejecting the living God So this psalm still has a great deal of significance to us today so today I want to look at these two broad camps, what it looks like to follow a false dead God and what the end results of that is and what it looks like to follow the living God, Jesus Christ, and what the end results of that is. Now, I've already read verses four through eight. This is the area in which the psalmist describes following false gods. The most key verse as far as application is concerned is verse 8, which I'm going to read again for you because this is a great ironic statement. This is what verse 8 says. They that make them, that being idols, are like unto them. So is everyone that trusts in them. Now this is understatement. What the psalmist had done in the previous four verses is describe idols and then describe how silly idols were. They have hands, but they can't do anything with them. They have eyes, and yet they can't see. They have feet, yet they can't walk, and so on and so forth. In other words, while they looked like living people, they were, in fact, dead. And the scary thing is that those who follow them are the same. Now, of course, this is talking about real false idol worship. Because when this psalm was written, the vast majority of people worshipped false gods in what we would call paganism. Paganism is full. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament talks about many false gods who are described by many different names. You're probably familiar with many of these gods like Baal, perhaps the most commonly referred to false god in the Old Testament. But there are many more, including Moloch, Ishtar, Bel, Dagon. All of these gods are gods that were worshipped by the people surrounding the Israelites. Now, Isaiah and Isaiah 44, which is on our study guides in our Digging Deeper section, also describes this false worship and describes how utterly foolish this kind of idolatry is. In fact, Isaiah 44, 19 and 20 says this, For none that builds an idol considereth in his heart, neither is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I have baked bread upon the coals thereof, and I have roasted flesh and eaten it. Shall I make the residue thereof an abomination or a false god? Shall I fall down to the stalk of the tree? He feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside, and he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? In other words, Isaiah says this, that people who worship idols, literally cut down a tree in the forest, they use half of it to sustain themselves, and then they set the other half up, they carve it into a shape, and they worship it. How foolish they the person that did this already has the power to cut down that tree the tree obviously has no power and anyone who pursues gods like this is foolish now here's the reality though I will hazard to guess that no one in here has ever been a practicing pagan. That's my guess, okay? Probably none of you at any point have worshipped an actual idol like the people around the Israelites did. You probably didn't have a stone statue in your house before you got saved. You probably did not worship Baal. In fact, really nobody does. Because paganism, the actual worship of physical false gods the way the Bible often describes, dies out. In the Middle Ages. So, does that mean that we have nothing to worry about here? Of course, that is not the case. So, let's talk about what idolatry looks like in our modern lives. Because idolatry is still with us. Even if it's changed what it looks like, idolatry is still around. And these things we do have to be on guard for. Now, before I talk about things that have replaced these original false gods, I do want to define what idolatry is. Idolatry really is anything that takes the place of God in your life. Or perhaps stated another way, it's this, anything that you look towards to do what only God can do. Some examples of this are looking towards something to provide ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment. If you're hoping that anything but God can make you eternally satisfied and fulfilled with your life, then you might have a problem with idolatry. If you're looking for eternal safety and stability from something other than God, that's idolatry. If you're looking for blessings or salvation from something other than God, that's idolatry. Now, there's many forms that idolatry can take in our modern world. Of course, certainly one is false religions, several of which are very prominent in our world. Billions of people follow religions that are false and lead them to worship false ideas, false gods. In fact, unfortunately, there's many people in the world today that call themselves Christians and are doing the same thing. They're worshiping people or they're worshiping a church thinking that that has the same position in their life as God does or has the same ability to save them or help them that God does, this too is idolatry. But it's not just false religions that are idolatry, but there's many others as well. Personal goals like success, wealth, and fulfillment. For most of American culture, these things have replaced any ancient idol as the thing that people look to to replace God in their life unfortunately today even political ideologies have replaced God for many people we expect that the government or the ideas of our political party will somehow bring us eternal spiritual fulfillment and they don't but people place them above all other things There's even things that on the surface are good, in fact, are given to us by God, but can be made more important and replace God in our lives. Things like family, things like personal achievement, doing the best we can, things like associations we're a part of. Now, not all of these things are bad, but the key is that if any of them replace God in our lives, they have become idols. And unfortunately, Romans chapter 1 tells us that anyone who replaces God with the created things is on a path of destruction. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 115 really refers to three things. The first is foolishness. This is parallel in Isaiah 44. Foolishness, trusting to something that you made to help you eternally. This is what Romans 1, through 31 says. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. They've worshipped the creature rather than the creator. And then there's this list of things that goes wrong. There's actually more to this list than I'm about to read. But these are the end results. Unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, Boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. This is what happens when you exchange God for a false God. You become as foolish as that false God is. In fact, Romans chapter 1 is actually full of ideas and truth on this subject. In fact, we see in Romans verse chapter 1 verse 20 an idea called general revelation everyone is created with a knowledge of god in fact everybody is created with a knowledge in general of what's right and what's wrong we all know all humans understand if they're of sound mind that murder is wrong everyone understands this and yet those who put false gods above god over time go from knowing what is right By the way, just knowing what is right doesn't mean we do what is right. Everyone's a sinner, even if we know what's right and wrong. And they slowly descend from knowing what is right and wrong to literally not knowing what is right and wrong, and doing evil and thinking it is good. That's actually the end result in Romans chapter 1. This is what happens when you follow a false god. The false god's ignorance literally is rubbing off on you. Again, that's what Psalm 115.8 is saying. Not only are you going to become dead, but you're going to pick up the attributes of the false god, and the false god is foolish. Isaiah talks about that specifically in chapter 44. In addition to this, following a false god is literally a waste. Again, we already read Isaiah 44, but the point Isaiah is driving at there is the guy cuts down a tree, he uses half of it, and he completely wastes the second half. He takes the second half, he stands it up, he falls down before it and worships it. In other words, he's done twice as much work and he's only gotten half the reward. He could have continued to burn that wood. He could have gained use out of it if he just used it. He's done something that's completely without value. And that is what following false gods ultimately is. Paul says the same thing in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, describing himself when he was a Pharisee. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of... In fact, Paul says he counts everything as loss except Jesus Christ. So everything he'd done while trying to please even the real God the wrong way was completely worthless. It was wasted. That's what following false gods results in. Finally, death is the final thing that you pick up from following or worshiping a false god. Romans 1.32 tells us this, the conclusion of Romans 1, who knowing the judgment of God, this is the people that have descended into sinfulness, they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So the result of foolishness is doing actions that result in death. The reality is, of course, that any sin is enough to condemn us, death, away from Jesus Christ. And if we don't follow Jesus Christ, we see this pattern of getting worse and worse and worse, more dead and more dead and more dead. However, there's hope, not only in this psalm, but there's hope in the New Testament as well, because in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, Paul, describing a very similar list to that which is found in Romans chapter 1, says this, and such were some... You, but you're washed and you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God because there is an alternative. Following dead false gods leads to foolishness, it leads to waste, it leads to destruction and death, but there is another option, and that is following the living God. Now, this is what the psalmist says in verses 9 through 11. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Now, in the original context, again, it's important to understand this psalm was written to a specific group of people. Specifically, it's written to the Judeans and the Benjamites that returned from exile and the Levites, because we're talking about the house of Aaron here. So originally, this psalm is specifically to this group of people. They had been punished by enslavement by Babylon, But God was still their God, and he was still protecting them. And this was a necessary reminder because they were surrounded by hostile people who worshipped false gods. But their God was alive. But here's the really cool thing. This does not apply just to the Israelites, and here's why. The psalmist clearly states that the same joy, the same worship ought to be true of anyone who has a living God. And here's the cool thing. We have the same living God that the Judeans, that these Israelites had. So while this psalm is for the Israelites, originally it applies to us as well because we worship the same God. It applies to us. So we see several things here. If you fear the Lord, God will help you, bless you, bless you protect you because he is alive. All of what God does in this passage is linked back to the fact that he is alive. If you trust the Lord, God will help you, bless you, protect you because he is alive. Now, the reality is if you follow someone who is alive you will be alive. Paul says this in Colossians 2, verses 12 and 13, "...buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh... Hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses? If you follow the living God, you too will be made alive through Jesus Christ. Now the end result of these things is beautiful. The first thing that should result is fear and trust in the Lord. Now, remember, I preached a message several weeks ago now on what fear is. Fear is not terror. It's not the idea of being scared like perhaps you would be on Halloween or perhaps your dog was on the 4th of July when the fireworks were going off. That's not what fear means. Fear, remember, is proper action. It's like going undercover during the thunderstorms we had a few weeks ago. Okay, It's not... Terror that lightning strikes are going to somehow come through your roof and take you out. It's taking the right actions. In fact, it's really a state of reverent obedience. That's what fear is. Someone who's a follower of God will literally become obedient and will learn to trust. First John 5 tells us the same thing. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat him... Loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, that we love God and keep his commandments. John continues and says this He who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So we trust, we obey and we become more like God. Jesus actually says the same thing in his most famous prayer, uh, which is sometimes called the Lord's Prayer, which is found in both Matthew and Luke, specifically uh, Luke eleven two through 4. Jesus reiterates the same thing. Fear God. Trust God. God will bless you. You will live eternally. Next, we see that the psalmist says that as a result of following the living God, you will receive blessing. God will bless you in fact verses 13 through 16 talk about this but again it's reiterated as well in the new testament Romans 8 31 through 32 after a long discussion of how salvation works Romans 1 through 8 is all about this it's the mechanics of salvation Paul takes us from complete sin to a sanctified life in Jesus Christ by chapter 8 the end of chapter 8 says this what shall we then say to these things if god be for us who can be against us he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for all of us. How shall he not, with him also, freely give us all things? If you are a follower of the living God, the living God will bless you. It rubs off on you, and we actually see in the Psalm that you will bless God. So that's something we're going to come back to in the application. Finally, and most importantly, the result of following the living God is life. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the entire Bible, summarizes this perfectly. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if those who follow false gods become like them, those who follow the living God receive life by following him. So that leads us to some questions we should ask ourselves. The first question is this. Who will you follow? Unfortunately, the vast majority of people in the world are following something that is dead. It might not be obviously dead, but it's false, and it leads to death. Let me illustrate this by uh, idea of something perhaps not to do. Um, Two of the most infamously bad generals in United States history are pictured on screen right now. In fact, I've used these guys before because they're so terrible. Uh, We have Ambrose Burnside, who has the sideburns, And we have fighting Joe Hooker. Now, these guys, again, are renowned for being some of the worst generals of all time. In fact, poor Burnside followed up another one of the worst commanders in United States history, but he launched perhaps the most deadly and devastating battle for the Union in the entire Civil War, the Battle of Fredericksburg, where he had to cross a river, then climb uphill to a prepared position, and his forces were decimated with almost no Confederate losses. Now, that is bad enough in and of itself. However, fighting Joe Hooker on the right is actually perhaps even worse because he looked at Burnside's battle plans, which were some of the worst in history, and decided that he was going to basically do the same thing. And somehow this time it was going to work. And I have bad news for fighting Joe Hooker. It did not work. In fact, Robert E. Lee destroyed his army just as easily as he had Burnside's because effectively the same battle plan was employed twice so fighting joe hooker had the option of picking a new battle plan or following one that was a proven failure and he picked the proven failure and he failed that's not a surprise it shouldn't be a surprise and yet that's what the vast majority of people in our world are doing they are following false gods whose track records are Not abysmal, because I suppose the word abysmal suggests they sometimes succeed. They never succeed. They're complete failures. Everyone who has ever followed a false god is dead. There is no hope following false gods. Following ourselves, there is no hope. Instead, let's follow someone who is Alive, someone who has literally succeeded at what we want to succeed at, which is having eternal life and being in fellowship with Jesus Christ. This is like having a good guide. I have several friends who like to hunt, Eric Hutton being the most prominent, and he will tell you that the success in a hunt is really determined on how good your guide is. You want a guide who knows what he's doing. In fact, even better, you want a guide who's done exactly what you're doing before. In fact, you want him to have done what you're doing and been successful. You wouldn't feel really confident going on a hunt with a guy who's been on lots of hunts and never bagged an animal, okay? That is a bad guide. You don't want that guide. He's a terrible guide. Instead, you want the guide who's been there He's done that. He's done exactly what you want to do. And he's willing to take you and do the same thing with you. That's what Jesus Christ has done. He has literally raised himself from the dead. And he's offering to do the same thing to you. He's taken your sin. He has paid for your sin. He's offering you life. He's been there. He's done that. And If you follow him, you can have what he has. Now, the reality is you end where you live in the moment. That's what the psalmist is trying to tell us today. If you are currently rejecting God, if you are failing to worship God, at the end, God will reject you. That's what verse 17 says. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. The end result of worshiping any other God is is death. It's rejection. And once you're dead, like actually dead, physically dead, there's no chance. That's it. This life is when you have an opportunity to change from the path almost everyone is on, worshipping false gods, and change over to worshipping Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ. Because that's the other option. If you follow God, God will save you. This is what verse 18 says, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now, two things that I want to share with you to think about here. The first is you have to follow Jesus Christ if you want to be alive. Remember, Jesus came. He was fully God. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He went to the cross for all of our sins and he rose again under his own power and he's alive today. His resurrection, by the way, is the proof that he is who he said he is. He rose again so that you can be confident that you too will have eternal life. That's what Jesus's life symbolizes. Now, I implore you, if you're not currently a follower of Jesus Christ, that is the first step. But the psalmist is also encouraging those who are already followers of God, followers of Jesus for us, He's encouraging us that while we're alive, worship God. Put God first so that God rubs off on you, so that you develop the character traits that God has. And by the way, that is what this entire psalm series is about. Today, we're talking about the living God, right? That's the end result. We want to be eternally alive through Jesus Christ. But we also should want to pick up all the other attributes that God has. Has Very shortly, we're going to be talking about the love of God. If we follow God, we're going to pick up his love. We're going to be more loving as a result of following God. We're going to be more obedient. We're going to be more trusting. And importantly, we are going to be more blessed. Verses 14 and 15 of Psalm 115 say this, May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Not only are you going to be made more like God, more like Jesus Christ, which Romans 8 again tells us, but you're actually going to receive blessing from God. And again, I talked about this many months ago in Psalms. Blessing is not our motivation. You're not serving God to get stuff. That is the wrong way. That is unbiblical. However, the reality is that those who follow God, who serve God, do receive blessing blessings. And that is just one of many reasons to follow the living God. So today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, become one. We implore you. And the second, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, continue to prioritize God. Continue to worship God so that you can be more and more like him. If those who worship false gods become like them, may it be true of our church that we worship the living God and we become more like him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to study your word today. Help us to follow you. Help us to become more like you. Help us to worship the living God, the Holy Spirit that is here in this very room, indwelling us. Our Savior who is in heaven right now, alive. You, the active God who does whatever he pleases in heaven. Lord, we thank you for everything you do. We ask that today we think about your truth and we apply it to our lives. We thank you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together as we close today sing out a great song of anthem
0: that Jesus is our living hope. He lives for us today. Let's worship him. How
1: great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation Into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness saw through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my
3: For watching this video of one of our recent services, it's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. He loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. And the Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. An eternal life. The opportunity to live with God forever in heaven. In spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin. and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want His death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.